I know you're frightened. You're terribly frightened by what you've seen. But I'm not gonna lie to you. Your friends are not prepared for this fight. Hawkins will fall. My friends need me. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lugdahl Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing the inevitable, everyone's been waiting for it, everyone's been talking about it for the past few weeks, uh, probably two months now, uh, released on May 27th, 2022 for the first seven episodes. And then the final two episodes uh, were released on July 1st, 2022. It's Stranger Things season four. Now, as many people that have been following the Lucky Dog podcast, everyone knows that we talk about the podcast with uh, all our subjects in a non-spoiler section and a spoiler section. So this is going to be a little bit more of a condensed review than most of them, most of be, mostly because um, a lot of people are covering it. I don't want to waste anybody's time giving all of the uh, expository information that everyone already knows. And over half the world has already seen the show and knows who's in it. So we don't really have to go through um, uh, who's all uh, in the cast and all of the amazing people that are in, from in front of the screen, the actors to behind the screen of the creators of the Duffer Brothers. Um you know it all. You know it all. So, what is the what's the big uh, deal with season four? Well, it's a long anticipated season four, mostly because it was pushed back due to the COVID nineteen pandemic. Just about everything that has been dropped this year has been um, pushed back as far as it can. And now, all of these amazing television shows, from the Obi Wan Kenobi show to Better Call Saul to uh, uh, one uh, shows that we weren't expecting like station 11 um, to stranger things to the boys. We have so much uh, content coming down the pipe that uh, just wanted to make sure everyone's aware that stranger things is not the only thing that is on the shelves right now, but that's, is what we're talking about today. So Stranger Things 4 has received positive reviews from critics. Critics praise the performances of the cast members, particularly those of Brown, McLaughlin, Sink, Bauer, and Quinn. Um, many critics praise the visuals, action sequences, and the darker, more mature, mature tone compared to previous seasons, though some criticized it for being overstuffed due to the lengthier episode runtimes compared to previous seasons. This is one of the first television shows that I've seen that has ever surpassed its uh, original run times of, I think it was around 30 to 40 minutes in the first few seasons to in the fourth season, we have episodes that are as long as two and a half hours. So they are certainly testing their, uh, the longevity of uh, being able to be called a television show at this point, you know, some of these tele quote unquote television shows have higher budgets than a lot of movies do these days. So it is blurring the lines of, you know, what is cinema these days. Now, with saying that the first seven episodes um, in a non spoiler review, I didn't have a problem with the pacing, I did have a problem with uh, a couple of the storylines that we're not going to talk about until we get into the spoiler section. Um, 
but overall, the first seven episodes really worked well with me. And uh, going along that track, I think that um, uh, it's my favorite season bes- uh, besides the first one. The first one still holds a, a really uh, special place in my heart. But this fourth season really hits all of the keynotes of uh, the coming of age story. It is probably the most glorious, gruesome, action packed, high, biggest budget type uh feel to it um i do feel like i can kind of feel a little bit of the covid restraints on it because of it's such a large cast they have to disperse all of these different fractions in different areas and so a lot of the storylines without going into too much detail um you might follow a couple of characters that don't interact with the main sect of characters till the very end of the story um more to the point where the get there's so many characters um, I have a list right here of how many people are in this, and it's just ridiculous uh, that the the cast keeps on growing, but also that the majority of them can fit in it. And so I would say that uh, coming down on those last two episodes, still in the non-spoiler section we're talking, um, in a non-spoiler review, I would say, yes, it is one of the best looking, highest produced, best acted young adult quote quote unquote young adult um action-packed nostalgic uh pieces of media that i can really point out uh of uh recent note you know this is definitely one of the best television shows within the past like 20 years i'd say uh uh you know probably top 20 shows that have come out it's just that much it's that engaging for the people that really like it now i can see that there is a subsection of people that are thinking um you know some of the the writing is a little contrived of them not you know people not 100 percent expressing themselves but i do feel like the majority of the story feels natural and that they don't have to be too on the nose with let's just say um how two characters are feeling about each other they might you know beat around the bush a little bit but i do feel like it's how teenagers would talk and so uh, going along with uh the young adult themes of this season you know we get the horror we got the action we got uh this nostalgic thrills um but its ability to still stand on its own relatively as a an original piece of media is uh, a reason I keep coming back. You know, I love the sounds. I love the the world building. I love the uh, the way the kids interact with each other or the teens interact with each other. Um, and so that's why I'm always coming back. Now, let's talk about this from uh, non-spoiler, but let's be a little bit more critical about it. Now, the last two episodes felt like more like four episodes smashed together or like a, an egg a special or of some sort you know um when they have like the holiday specials at the end of television shows a lot of times uh downton abbey had a few of those um but this one was two and a half hours and it absolutely needed every bit of that time it's not like anything was uh fat or flabby that was on the the cutting room floor everything that we saw needed to be shown it's just they they were only signed up for nine episodes so they just made that ninth episode extra thick it's a, it's a thick boy so um yeah and and uh, running up that hill is is just hit hit the charts uh again um compared to back in the 80s when Kate Bush had released it i've heard that she's made over 2 million dollars 
um, since the release of Stranger Things 4, just in royalties of having her song played on every other um, playlist now that everyone's rediscovered it. And it's a great song. Can't can't go wrong with, uh, you know, running up that hill. So, um, yeah, we have all of our favorite characters. I'm, um, uh, I actually might try to uh, tell everybody that who's in this, just see if just to give you an idea of how many people are in this uh, show. And these are just uh, the main characters. So uh, let me see. Okay. Winona Ryder, David Harbour, Millie Bobby Brown, Finn Wolfhart, Gaten Mazzaro, Caleb McLaughlin, Noah Schnapp, Sadie Sink, Natalia Dyer, Charlie Heaton, Joe Keery, Maya Hawk, Brett Gildman, Priya Ferguson, um, Matthew Modine, and Paul Reiser are all on the main cast list. And there's just as long as a cast list on the, the reoccurring and guests. Um, you know, Jamie Cam- Campbell Bauer, uh Kira Bruno, Eduardo Franco, uh Argyle and Joseph Quinn is Eddie Munson. Like there are some all of the notable characters that have been introduced to um you know to the um the cast list are at absolutely A-list um characters from um well I can't really talk about anyone without going into spoilers but the new characters that are featured in this are um are just as likable just as well directed as the original cast which tells me you know the uh the direction by the Duffer brothers and Sean Levy has been really well and uh was in Nimrod Antle um I think I've seen seen him in some other things uh as a director but uh yeah, the Duffer Brothers mainly uh, directed these uh, episodes and wrote a chunk of them, the majority of them. But anyways, I, I can't really tell a difference, in my opinion, from episode to episode, who directed who, which directed uh, who wrote another episode. Uh, it really does feel like it flows all in correlation. Um, so anyways, the um, yeah, the. The overarching, uh, more critical things I have to say about this season were the pacing and the landing and the storylines for some of the characters towards the backhand of the seasons. Um, Season four was uh, very lengthy with the episodes, and I didn't feel any problem with the first seven, but it was the last two that I did feel a little bit of jumbledness for me personally. But it's not to the point where it really um, knocked down the the likability of the uh, show as much. Like I still really enjoyed the time in it. I, uh, I enjoyed the characters. It's just some of the uh, actions of some of the characters I wasn't crazy about. And I'll talk about that in the spoiler section coming up. So um, we've talked about pretty much all we can in the, uh, the non-spoiler section. Yes. I enjoyed the hell out of this. It's one of the best looking um, television shows uh, and you know, best well acted television shows that I've seen in a long time. And um, can't really say too much uh, other than that, other than um, hopping into this, uh, not the spoiler section where we can talk about this a little bit more in um, detail. But uh, let me know what you thought about the review. Let me know what you thought about Stranger Things season four. What would you rate it? What would you give it uh, out of 10? Like I, I, like I said, I normally don't um, rate television shows, but I'd probably give this another eight out of 10 um, coming in right behind season one of uh, Stranger Things. So uh, thank you for listening, watching Look at All podcast. 
Let me know what you thought about Stranger Things Season 4, and we are going to discuss uh, the podcast in full, patreon.com slash podcast, and you're going to get the uh, edited review on YouTube and every other podcast player, SoundCloud, all the other good stuff. And, um, yeah, lookatallpodcast.com. Here is the non-spoiler, sorry, here is the spoiler section coming up for Stranger Things Season 4. So at this point, you have seen the entire season. You know the twist. You've seen running up that hill about 50 million times. And uh, yeah, from, from the soundtrack to the acting to the overall overall craft of the show, it's just a really enjoyable show to watch if you're into this type of uh, nostalgic twist, um, nostalgic flavor, I guess. If you don't, if you're tired of nostalgia, then this is probably not the type of television show you're going to enjoy. You're going to find it a little bit tedious. You're going to find it a little bit repetitive. You're going to find it the uh, the, the storylines not as uh, strong. Maybe the actions of the characters are not as strong. That's not me, though. I did. I just wanted to point those individuals out that are not loving Stranger Things for. But at this point, if you're not like really head over heels for it, um, I'd be surprised if you're really keeping up with it. Um, but anyways, like I said, the reason I love this show is just the overarching feel of the show. First of all, I love the 80s as an aesthetic and, and film and television. But on top of that, uh, the way that the story unfolded, the way we learned about this new uh, entity, this new bad guy named Vecna and how he's been kind of the puppet master over the overarching seasons um, and series as a whole. He's been... Uh, uh, he was number one under uh, Matthew Modine's quote unquote Papa's character, who was taking he was uh, taking these kids in and testing them and having the kids test each other and you know use the force and stuff like that. I mean, it was that type of uh, kind of fucked up shit. Um, but there is kind of like this Darth Vader Anakin kind of um, join the dark side with me eleven and and we find out through a series of flashbacks of. Elle is not exactly in season four with the majority of the group. She's off on her own mission, kind of in the same sector as how Hopper is off on his own mission. There are so many characters in this now that we have separate individual missions. You're almost watching three different shows that correlate at the very end. Um, and, it, you know, we got the, the, the Hopper show stuck in Russia, which I think a lot of people had problems with. We had the L show who's living flashbacks and being tested on by Matthew Modine and Paul Reiser. Um, we have the uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Byers, the Mike Wheeler um, and Will plotline and, and Argyle and all of them are off doing their own adventuring and eventually meet up with Eleven. Um, and then we have the main group with uh, Dustin, Max, Lucas, Erica, Steve, Nancy, Robin, and Eddie, and uh, who's the leader of the Hellfire Club. Um, so uh, let me give the, the quick premise just to kind of set us in these different groups. Um, set in March 1986, eight months after the events of 
the third season, the fourth season is split between different plot lines. As I said, the first plot line takes place in Hawkins, where several teenagers are killed in mysterious ways. And the ways these teens are killed, they are killed like exorcist, like like bone crunching, eyes popping, blood everywhere. It is a horrifying death. And we see this from episode one. And, and it happens throughout several other characters of Vecna basically feeding on fears, similar to like how Freddy Krueger does. Um, and even has the Freddy Krueger claw hand. I mean, he definitely has this like oversized hand where he's like, he's sucking the fear and life out of people um, that are Vecna's. Um, and so, you know, eventually you find out that this guy is, uh, you know, a, a fucked up version of one. Um, so, yeah, the, the teens are killed in mysterious ways. They're levitated up. And, you know, the only way you can fight the Vecna is with some Kate Bush fresh headphones and, uh, you know, some fun, funky fresh beats. Um, it, uh, Yeah. And like I said, it features everyone I just mentioned, Dustin, Max, all of that group um, and Eddie and them. Uh, he's the leader of the Hellfire Club, a Dungeons and Dragons group that includes Dustin and friends. Eddie becomes the prime murder suspect and is hunted down by Jason Carver and the members of the basketball team who believe Eddie killed Jason's girlfriend, Chrissy Cunningham, using satanic powers, which we know by the end of this. Uh, I mean, everything that even though Jason Carver is um, is kind of a psychopath, everything he sees, you know, he sees his buddy. First of all, his girlfriend's gone missing, possibly, and then he finds out ends up she's dead and then he ends up seeing his boy being lifted out of the lake at one point and um then at the very end he sees max being levitated and and possessed and stuff like that so he's got more than a lot of visual confirmation that there is some craziness going on in hawkins um and we eventually know what happens to him carver ends up getting getting taken into the upside down essentially um set on fires stomach set like to lava and shit like that definitely dead um dustin and friends investigate and discover that the murders were carried out carried out by a powerful being that lives in the upside down whom they dub vecna the uh second plot line involves mike wheeler visiting 11 will jonathan at their new home in california due to the events in the hawkins and the imminent danger of their friends 11 goes to goes with dr dr martin brenner and sam owens to a secret facility to regain her powers as i said earlier mike and will jonathan and jonathan's friend argyle try to track down uh track 11 down now, the entire time these guys are going, I think it's more of the comedic plot line, the less stressful plot line. Although in the middle of this story, there are two Secret Service guys that are protecting the kids at uh, Mike's, uh, at, sorry, at Will's house. And um, and it is like an intense scene, like the, the army is coming in and like busting in like pow, 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 pow. And then, you know, him with a pew, pew. And, you know, this guy ends up getting shot that is protecting them. And Argyle shows up randomly like Jason Sport Jones. Like, wait, what? There's a body in the back. Is he dying? Like Argyle is just like a fucking stoner. Like what's going on? And he's looking at the back and he's got like this dead uh 
or this dying bodyguard and he's trying to give Mike and Will and all of them all of these secret codes and what to do and look in the pen where it has the information and all this stuff. And I feel like they kind of skip over the fact that they definitely had to bury a body, which would be kind of traumatizing to these kids. But, you know, fuck it. It's, it I'm sure they've buried multiple bodies by this point. Um, so the third plot line follows Joyce and Murray Bauman Byers and Murray Bauman, who learn that Jim Hopper may still be alive and are told to bring money to arrange for his transfer. Meanwhile, in a Russian gulag in uh, Kamchaka, Copper is being held and forced alongside other inmates to battle a demigorden that the Russians have captured. So they're basically just being fed as bait for these demigorgons to, to fight against. Um, and like I said, uh, having um, uh, David Harbour relegated to the Russia plotline for the entire season, I felt like this probably could have been completed in maybe maybe half the, half the time and brought David Harbour back. I just felt like we wasted – I don't know if we wasted, but there was a lot of lagging time in the Jim Hopper plot line like it still looks great there's i have nothing to say about the the technicals about it and i think it's it's kind of well written in a way that you know you see how his hopelessness of jim hopper is still um very uh, he feels cursed in a way you know he's just he can't get out of this rut but um you know he turns into a badass at the very end of this uh season and I do feel like, you know, them discovering a bunch of other Demogorgons and then only to fight like one or two um, was a little bit anticlimactic. And the fact that they think that fighting the Demogorgons is going to help Eleven or anybody in Hawkins at all. I, I don't remember how that they would know that they're fighting Vecna. I don't like I guess he just thinks that fighting these Demogorgons is going to help hawkins and, and 11 and whoever's fighting against vecna um but my biggest thing was the very ending of the story is eddie munson going off against the dim of uh, uh the the bats the bad bats with dustin and them kind of holding the line and keeping the the bats at bay while the rest of the crew, Steve and Nancy and Robin and them uh, and Lucas and all of them uh, get possessed, get Max possessed and hold the bats off. But I didn't think that Eddie had to die for that. Like there was uh, an episode, I think like five or six where Steve is about to be choked out by the, by the bats. And I'm like, I, when that was happening, I was like, shit, they're going to kill Steve. And for the longest time I was thinking like, damn, are they going to kill Steve? Like the, the, the whole time they're playing like a couple things they're playing, like Steve and uh, Nancy are planned. Like they want to get back together. They completely pull that back by the last uh episode same thing with jonathan thinking that he doesn't want to go back and be with nancy he wants to be there with his family but they kind of roll that back they don't they don't move forward with that ball so a lot of that um plot line didn't go anywhere it kind of felt like you know will they won't they and eventually they just said fuck it we're not going to do that this season um 
but they did leave a lot of track for Steve and Nancy to come back together. But overarching, um, you know, Dustin and Lucas have these real emotional moments and, uh, and Max, Sadie Sink as Max is amazing. I think she's one of the most understated performances um, that isn't just like yelling or just being upset. She has a very layered performance that um, uh, is definitely shown through, you know, her eyes and the way that she kind of carries herself as, you know, she's so she's upset and not upset at the same time um, for the loss of her brother from season three. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, my biggest problems in this final season were the fact that Jim Hopper's crew knew that if fighting the Demogorgons was going to help the kids back at home, like, I don't feel like they've had any contact with them to my knowledge. Um, the other thing is I don't think Eddie Munson had to die in the way that he did. He, he went out badass style. Like he's playing guitar, like, ding, 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 you know, fucking like, you know, that's ass music, like spazzing and everything. Like, <laughs> like there was a lot of like great memeable gift scenes that uh, I'm seeing all over the internets and uh, all over Facebook, but um, overarching the, the ways that some of these things correlated, I didn't always feel like worked to the best degree. Now, let me talk a little bit more about Max again. Um, uh, well, there's a couple of things. Eddie Munson looked like a badass having like the, the, the nails and the trash can lid and he's like holding it back and he's got like the spear he's like ah like spazzing um very cool iconography um him playing the guitar with the thunder in the background and the upside down another badass moment you know when they're talking he's earlier he's talking about how we're not the heroes and you know that's going through his head i'm not sure that eddie eddie's turn to wanting to be a hero was 100 percent uh, pronounced um, that was another thing. A lot of things, with the Eddie character, I was like, this guy's been a kind of a coward the whole time, but not to the degree that you hate him. It's just like a reasonable coward, like something I would uh, like not wanting to die is not be, I don't feel like being a coward. It's just like fight or flight. And I never felt like he was going to fight. So it was kind of cool to see that. Um, so yeah, that's the Eddie character. Although I do think Joseph Quinn did an amazing job. Um, and apparently Doja Cat wants to hit up just when uh, find a, you know, whatever's going on with that. Um, so that was my biggest uh, problem with that. Um, again, with the Mike 11, Will and Jonathan 11 eventually hits Vecna. We, we see the, we see for 11, she lives through her old self again and we see that what the flashbacks were happening at the beginning of the season of all these characters and all these young kids that had been vecnaed at the beginning of the season we didn't really know when that had happened but it was a flashback that 11 was having and apparently had suppressed um and uh so from that um she learns that one was pushed into the upside down by her younger self and um, basically Vecna again and got all this lightning struck and he's like flying down in the middle of the upside down and shit like that. Um, so Vecna has a very interesting um, story and, he, you know, he gets like the, the, the chip taken out of his neck by uh, 11 and stuff like that. A lot of um, uh, moving pieces for the 11 story to put Vecna in the place that he's in at the end of the story. And again, with the, the, the whole, the belly of 
um vegna he's kind of like he he kind of has like a grinch pouch you know how he kind of has like the dad bod vecna he's not like completely cut i like i like how he's just not like imperfectly perfect kind of thing like he has this one really long claw long hand and um yeah i i think the creation of vecna's is is pretty cool um and it seems like vecna is probably going to be a very big part of the next season uh especially with regards of will let's talk about will real quick um so will apparently has feelings for mike and i'm hearing a mixed reaction not really uh about um the fact that he is probably either gay or bisexual and might not have an idea of how to express that as a a young boy um but also is probably triggered a lot by um you know ptsd and everything that he's had to go through for them from the past two seasons um or three seasons at this point. So I think that the Duffer brothers did an excellent job um, at addressing his sexuality. I do feel like the character needs to kind of come forward a little bit with a little bit more um, understanding of who they are, not just of uh, not just kind of sitting back the whole time. I feel like a lot of things are, are, are happening to Will and Will's not making a lot of things happen. Um, you know, he's giving artwork to Mike and he's telling how, telling Mike basically how he feels about Mike and coding it as if it's 11 saying it. Um, but the performance that Noah Schnapp is giving is still amazing. I still think he's one of the, the more understated actors on here. Um, I think in season two, he kind of had the, the poltergeistiness going on, you know, with the exorcism possession, possessedness of him, of himself. But um, it's never, Will is rarely happy. And this season is no different. I think that most of the time he's being bullied in the first half or being pushed around in the first half. And then the second half, he's just trying to express how he feels. And he doesn't really get a full expression of how he feels until he's in the car with Mike and expressing, you know, how he's always going to be there, how he always wants to be there. Um, you know, he's, he's giving some real deep emotion to Mike and Mike is just going straight over Mike's head. Um, I actually am not crazy about the character of Mike. Mike used to be my boy from uh, earlier in the seasons, uh, maybe season, I think season two, he started to, season one, Mike was the best. I don't think I'd remember him too much about season three, but season two, he kind of gets like infatuated a little bit with Max a little bit. The, 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 uh, the storylines in season two did not uh, exactly line up for how I feel like people should be talking for season two, but overarching Mike, Mike's been going down in my, my book since season one, he was best with L in season one, but ever since then season four, he just goes full on uh, releasing how he feels about Mike, you know, I've loved you since the day I met you in the woods with a t-shirt on. Um, I just kind of, I guess maybe that I, I never felt like Mike was head over heels over 11. Honestly, I honestly felt more of a connection between, uh, max and 11 than i do feel mike and mike and 11 um but they do have interesting chemistry when they're on screen just alone together um but uh yeah i did feel bad for will 
but enough that Jonathan is noticing how Will is talking to Mike. And I, I feel like that was a very good and wholesome conversation between Will and Jonathan talking about, you know, you, you can tell me anything, um, anytime. And, uh, that means a lot, you know, for young Will. Um, I don't think I needed the whole Will telling Jonathan, Hey, I think I'm, uh, I'm into Mike kind of thing. I really didn't feel like I needed that conversation because I, I, I feel like it was so already spoken and Jonathan already knows best Jonathan scene of the, of the season. Um, I, you, the thing that comes to mind about the season, I think this season has some of the best scenes in the whole series, but I don't think this season as a whole uh, holds as much weight as some of the other ones. Uh, I do feel like three was a little bit more condensed and um, in the way that the story un, unraveled. Um, but yeah, like one of, one of the scenes I would say would be like Will and Jonathan talking or will and mike talking or lucas and max um their com their conversation when she's being vetnud and psh, 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 and then you know her arms are all broken and shit like that and uh lucas is holding holding max and for a second i was like did we just lose max like max is saying how she can't see anything she's scared she's blind uh in her all her all of her limbs are broken. It is the most uh, visceral scene probably that we've had to experience in Stranger Things. And they kind of rolled it back with having Eleven bring, uh, bring Max back, at least to start breathing again. I kind of would have given them a little bit more bonus points if they would have actually killed um, Max, but I do feel like that would have been really dark for that character. And I ultimately want her to be uh, a happy character uh, in this story. So um, it, it was kind of like a, a double-edged sword. Like we would have lost Sadie Sink, but it would have been like one of the most impactful deaths I think we've felt in a long time. But by the end of this, we find out that she's in some sort of coma stage. She may not come back. She may come back based on what Lucas says. Um, and Lucas has a really big fight with uh, J Jason Carver um, while Max is being possessed and Vecna and stuff like that. I thought like Lucas might get shot. I was like, what? I was like, that is insane. Like that would have been like a crazy fucking plot. Um, and a couple other things like uh, they run into the Jason group when they're at the army Navy store. And when they're leaving Jason's, sees the car leave and doesn't immediately follow them but he has to wait for some other dude that sees them outside the um uh the henry creel house for them to be notified so that's when the football players show up i i felt like there was a couple additional scenes that could have been condensed into one that would have saved a little bit of extra time but that's just me um anything else of course, we get the smart ass parents in a couple scenes at the end. Uh, what is it? Uh, Mike's parents. Mike's dad's kind of an ass. <laughs> um, always coming back. Ted is his name. Ted Wheeler. Is that who it is? Um, anyways, uh, let me talk about Jamie Campbell Bauer real quick. Let's talk about some of the new the new news um, as Henry Creel one slash Vecna. Um, 
I got to say the um, character really worked for me when I first saw him in the flashback with 11 and you just see him creeping in the background. Um, I was like, this guy's got a lot of screen presence for them to just kind of be lightly soft focusing on him in the background. And you see how he's trying to like uh, not cuddle up to not literally cuddle up, but, you know, befriend 11 while they're in the uh, facility being tested on as kids um, only to 11 to be, you know, take the chip out of him and him basically use one, use 11, um, you know, against, against Brenner. And so, uh, and that's when, you know, Vecna is going around and killing all the kids and stuff like that. Very similar Darth Vader style and whatnot. Um, and, and wants 11 to join, um, you know, his cause and L is like, no, that's not happening. Not up in here. And that's when she blasts, um, Vecna into the upside down or blast one into the upside down, which he thus becomes Vecna. Um, I do think the Victor Creel storyline with Nancy and Robin and them kind of dilly dallying all this down, this other plot line felt so disconnected from the story up until you find out how Vecna was the son of Victor Creel from back in the day. Um, uh, what was it? Kevin L. Johnson from uh, uh, Ozarks. He's kind of a, the bumbling guy in Ozarks, but he was great in this. Um, there is some just like traumatizing stuff that Victor Creel, who's played by Robert England, uh, the Freddy Krueger, um, guy, the guy that plays Freddy Krueger on Elm Street, um, is in this as well. And I enjoy and and felt enthralled by his performance and the story that is happening. And I love how it kind of comes back all around that, you know, uh, uh, Henry Creel one and Vecna are all the same person. So, um, yeah, there are some really great montages the music all coming together all is uh very interesting and and fun to watch um just the story unfold so um anything else i want to talk about brett gelman and his karate skills i thought he was pretty great um yuri from uh uh russia i didn't care i didn't hate uh yuri in russia until the second half the last two episodes made me hate that character um, just from everything he was doing. At first, I thought he was, oh, you know, bibbidi-bobbidi kind of thing. His name's uh, Yuri Isimov. Um, but the more that he kind of is on screen in the second half, you realize that he's just kind of putting on this dumb man front. You know, the Yuri is not as dumb as he says. Um and of course, we got Enzo, the man with no face or no name um, from uh, Game of Thrones. He's in this. Tom Wishkla. Haha. Um, yeah, Mason Die as Jason Carver. He played the hell out of that character. Like, he was like way, way into that character. Um, anything else? I think that is just about everything I got to say about this season. Uh, 
we had the stop by Susie's, um, Dustin's girlfriend's place where they're apparently like, I think they're Mormon and they have like 20 kids running all over the house. Like God dang, uh, like monkeys jumping all over the vines, all over the damn couches. It was just absolute uh, crazy town. Uh, anything else that we need to talk about? Argyle, of course, I think he's going to be another, another number, uh, big favorite for everybody that came on. Jonathan Byers didn't have much to do this season. Um, I will say that he's hanging with Argyle kind of as like, you know, dumb and dumber kind of thing. But uh, I, I, there wasn't much for him to do is my, my problem. And I think that goes along with uh, there being too many characters like, they don't really want to kill off any of their main cast. I understand because they're really likable, but I got to say that it's becoming way more um, on the nose that they'll bring in a new character who everyone likes, such as like Bob or uh, there was another Russian guy that came in season three that everyone liked. Um, But they always kill the new likable guy, new likable whoever. And uh, it seems that this is no different in here, killing Joseph Quinn. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't see his name. Russia side, Michael Tom Holloway. Is that him? Michael Park. I don't. Oh, no. Alex Utoff as Alexi. Alexi was the guy. Everyone liked him because he was you know, sipping the uh, slushies and stuff like that. I remember him now. Yeah. So anyways, uh, just like Alexi, Eddie Munson goes down. Let me see if there's anything else I can talk about uh, regarding all our favorite characters. Winona Ryder didn't have much to do this season, but she's hanging with uh, uh, Brett Geldman's and she's kind of put on, you know, the back burner. Brett Gelman's the one really pushing all of the, the comedic beats in this and uh, everything that happens in Russia just seems kind of asinine, you know, break in, um, breaking in to, to get Hopper and everything about the plan goes wrong. The money gets taken, the money gets stolen. Yuri goes against them. They have to break in with, Brett Geldman's limited Russian knowledge and somehow they can just break in the prison. They get Hopper out to the point where, uh, you know, there's a Demogorgon fighting him at that point. And then they have to, once they're out, they realize, oh, we got to go back in so that we can go defeat the Demogorgons for whatever reason. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, it feels like running around and reusing of sets for me personally on, on that, um, storyline but let me know what you thought about these um different storylines we've got uh yeah and of course steve everyone loves steve you know pair him off with any character joe curie with any character from dustin to maya hawk or nancy all of them he works with all of them uh even uh lucas's younger sister as well um still works well with her um what was it erica sinclair but anyways um I think that is just about it. Um, let me see. Billy Hargrove was uh, Max's older brother. I couldn't remember his name earlier. But um, 
Anyway, thank you for listening, watching Look It All Podcast, Stranger Things Season 4 uh, coverage. Like I said, it's still about an 8 out of 10 if I were to give this a, a rating. Um, I still can't wait for next season. I know Vecna is going to be a big part. Uh, Hawkins has basically gone all the shit. They got the damn lava hell coming from the bottom of it and they had a big you know everyone's leaving and there's like earthquakes and shit happening it's just all going to shit um but yeah um i think that's about it uh the upside down visuals i really enjoyed those as well the the clock that was always ticking the the different the 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 being vecnad was very cool of how it would just change the world around you kind of like in elm street how the world would start shifting you might start changing the people around you start changing but it's very subtle and i feel like that's what this um uh that's what they did here as well um so thank you for listening watching luck it all podcast stranger things season four for the entire review go to patreon.com slash luck it all podcast you can also go to luck it all podcast.com for the uh full library of podcasts um we've covered tons of other movies media tv shows movies all that good stuff um anything from barry to everything everywhere all at once to um Better Call Saul is coming down the pipe. We got two more episodes of that. We are about to finish The Boys today. And uh, yeah, it's been a great time for TV and movie watchers all alike. Um, let me know again what you thought about the review. Let me know what you thought about the podcast. And take it easy. Running up the hill. Running up the hill.